When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Alonement Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Spector, and this show is all about your longest and most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, or somewhere in between. Alonement means valuing your time alone, regardless of your romantic status. Each week, I ask a new guest about the time they spend by themselves and why it matters. My guest this week is personal trainer Alice Living. I think we see self-care now as like, bit of cucumber on your eyes lying in the bath with a candle and whatever and and that can be self-care and definitely is for me sometimes but also sometimes self-care can be just getting out of bed in the morning having a shower today i'm here with alice living alice is a best-selling author personal trainer and influencer every day she inspires well over half a million followers on instagram with her well-researched comprehensive workout plans and her positive realistic approach to exercise She also hosts the Give Me Strength podcast, which is not only about being physically strong, but also about mental resilience. In this episode, we discuss the important issue of domestic violence. Alice is an ambassador for Women's Aid, a charity which aims to end domestic violence against women and children. For those looking for further information and support, visit the Women's Aid website on womensaid.org.uk. Alice, thank you so much for agreeing to come and do this podcast with me today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. To kick off, I'd like to know what's your relationship with spending time alone? So I personally really like my own company. And I think everyone kind of says that in some ways. But I also have friends that are completely daunted by being on their own and they have to be with people all the time whereas I thrive off my independence. And I always have done. From a young age, I remember really wanting independence and wanting and and fighting my parents for that you know I was the one who wanted to go out when I was like 13 on my own and I remember when I went to uni and I moved away from home for the first time feeling that sense of like independence and being on my own and being able to go off and do whatever I wanted and have my own agenda and just loving it and um yeah I've kind of been the same ever since so yeah I guess it's in my nature. <laughs> Do you think your choice of career as a personal trainer, where you're by nature self-employed mm. and you motivate yourself, mm. do you think that is to do with that independence? 
one because I kind of fell into my job because I never intended to be a personal trainer. Um, I trained as a dancer in a musical theatre and I went into a musical called Annie. So I trained for three years, graduated, went into my show, did that for a year and toured the UK with the show, which is very much like a a completely the opposite of being self-employed. Like you're part of a company, you all move around together and you're very, very close knit as a group. So um, I would have carried on doing that, but obviously at the same time I started this blog or Instagram blog, whatever you want to call it, that was starting to get really successful and um, things were sort of snowboarding with it to the point that I was offered a book deal. Um, And when I came to the end of my contract with the show, I kind of had an ultimatum where I was like, well, what am I going to do next? Am I going to go into another show? And also I was physically and mentally exhausted because I'd been writing a book at the same time as doing eight shows a week and having to like have energy every for every show. Um, and it, it was a lot. So I sort of came to the end of that and I thought, right, well, I'll take a bit of a break and I'll see how I get on with doing this Instagram thing, not even knowing that you could make money from it at the time. And so what I decided to do was that I would get my personal training qualification and I would really invest in learning about fitness and um, physical health. Um, And that was kind of the start of my journey. And I never really expected it to be a career. Um, I thought it would just be like a kind of stopgap job that I'd do and I'd pick up a few clients and that'd be it. And then I'd move on to the next thing. But actually, I really enjoyed the job and it's interesting that you say um that you ask about whether that that's connected to independence like yes I like being self-employed and I think actually this is the definitely the kind of career that suits me best um but at the same time I thrive off company of others in my job so I do like working for myself but then I also get so much enjoyment out of helping others it's kind of hilarious to think that what you once considered to stop gap job has turned into all of this mm. I know it's weird and I think I always believe in fate and my mom always has, has always told me that that you know distrust that the universe has a plan for you <laughs> which sounds really like philosophical um and a bit cringy but I do believe in that to a certain extent because sometimes I panic about you know, being self-employed and being on my own, whatever, like you have to generate your own income and you have to really work hard for that. But other times, like things just fall into place with things, um, jobs, opportunities. And I like to believe that that's because there's something that's sort of like up there that's guiding my my general life and path. And I hope that there there would be. But yeah, like I'm just kind of, I've always been a hard worker and... I think whatever life throws at me, I'll always just try and give it 110% and and be successful at it as much as I can be. So yeah, stopgap, who knows? Who knows where I'll be in 10 years time, but I'm enjoying it now. (laughs) The most successful stopgap anyone has ever had. (laughs) And how do you feel about, obviously you've built yourself into such a powerful brand, Mm. whether that's conscious or not. Mm. How do you feel about that? that? How does that affect your relationship with being you and who you are Mm. to your friends and family Mm. and who you put out to the world? Yeah, it's a great question because um, I have built a very successful brand and I'm I'm not ashamed to say that. Have I been something else in order to do that? I would hope not. The whole point of, of social media is authenticity and of being yourself. And I've tried really hard to maintain that as much as I can 
despite the growth and despite the ever-evolving brand that is me, <laughs> I've tried to always retain the fact that I I am who I am and I'm not going to try and change that person to be more successful than I am. Um, I think the moment that I would start to do things that I wouldn't have normally done is the moment that I would question, you know, what I'm doing because I think it's really, really important that you... It's important that you are yourself. And I know that sounds really, like, obvious, but if I was putting on an act every day or if I felt like I had to, to be this person that people expected me to be, I'd find that so exhausting. And I've done that in shows for years. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like I've put on a, put on an act and been a different person. Um, and obviously it's great fun when you do it for like an hour a day or two hours a day in a musical. But when that's your life, like it's a completely different ball game. And I would find that really exhausting. So I would like to think that I've stayed the same. Um, Yes, in relation to building a brand, um, it's just been that I've tried to be myself as much as possible, be honest, um, be transparent. <clears throat> I think those things are really important in a world where we are fed so much misinformation and lies and and rubbish. I've tried to give truth and honesty and, and be as transparent as I can so that people feel that they can develop a trustworthy relationship with me. Um you know, I know that fitness fitness education isn't necessarily the the most complicated of of um, areas of the internet, but it's still important that what I put out there is credible, is well researched, is evidence based, um, and I've always had that at the at the forefront of everything that I do. So um, yeah, I think that's really really helped. Um, and like I said, I think the moment that I wasn't being myself. To, in order to get further up the ladder, I would start to question my um, my objectives. Can you think of a particular way in which your brand has changed over the years? Yeah, like, I mean, from when I first started to now, I, many, many things have changed, but I think one of the main things would be that when I first started out, I definitely had more of a disordered relationship with exercise and with eating than I do now. And... I was so entrenched in that way of being and so validated by all that was going on on social media. You know, I would, everyone would say, you look amazing. Oh my God, I want to eat like you. I want to look like you. And at the time, for like I was such a naive, like 22 year old that I was like, yeah, of course this is great. Like I am so healthy and never actually realizing that what I was doing probably wasn't the healthiest thing um, for me. So I did some growing up um I learned a lot from others around me and I I have never considered myself an expert and I think that's really important because I very quickly realized that there were other people that knew a lot more than I did and suddenly you feel very very small and as though you have no authority in anything at all um and I think that for me was quite humbling in a sense that I was suddenly like you know who am I to tell people how to eat or what to do there's people out there that are way more qualified than I am um, I guess I can still offer, you know, inspiration and advice um, to a certain extent, but but really that's something that needs to be left to the professionals. And so, in doing that, my relationship completely changed with food and with exercise, and I very much looked to have a more holistic approach to that um, now. A lot more balance, even though I hate that word because what is balance? But find finding my own balance with having a life. And being a bit more um, 
relaxed with my approach to exercise and with my approach to food. And um, I think that's definitely changed me as a person, but also changed my brand. And do you think that Instagram and at least your following on Instagram has grown up with you? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. There's definitely people that have followed me from the early days that still mess me now, like, I followed you from day one. Um, But yeah, naturally, they're going to grow up and they're going to experience probably similar things to what I have. And I would hope that, you know, going back to what I was saying about the honesty and transparency, you know, I've shared all of this and played it out very publicly that um, there were things that I did maybe two or three years ago that I wouldn't do now. But I think the importance has been the honesty around that so that people can look at that and say, okay, um, she said that and now she thinks this, but this is why. And maybe relate to that a lot as well, you know, Um, or I'd hope so anyway. Um, and maybe question their own decisions too. So, yeah. So it's almost more important that they've seen your journey and that's relatable rather than just seeing one non-changing person. Yeah, exactly. And it's unrealistic to think that someone over five years isn't going to change and have different opinions and do different things because particularly like I started doing it when I was 21, I'm now 26 you know, I think that's a really formative time of your life. I was at uni when I started it. And that, and since then, I've, you know, done a tour of the UK, written three books, <laughs> done so much other stuff, met my boyfriend. And yeah, I just think you change as a person. And that's a good thing. You know, I would never want to stand still in life. I think that's something that I've always been really keen to, to strive for is to constantly keep moving forwards in some way. And so I'm happy that I've changed and evolved. I think it's a really good thing. Um, But yeah, having honesty with that journey is so key. How do you feel about the way that we we, we talk about so many different things on Instagram as hashtag self-care? Do you think it's a bit overused? Um, Well, I think it's glamorized more than overused. Like, I think we see self-care now as like, you know, bit of cucumber on your eyes lying in the bath with a candle and whatever and and that can be self-care and like definitely is for me sometimes but also sometimes self-care can be just getting out of bed in the morning having a shower like it depends what what mental state you're in but for some people like that is that is all that they can achieve in one day because that's all they're up to um I think what we've done is glamorize this this idea of self-care when it's actually can be the, like the really mundane things that are the most caring things we can do for ourselves. You know, cook a nice dinner or, um, you know, turn off your laptop at six o'clock instead of working into the evening. Um, I think we need to lose the idea that self-care looks a certain way. It's very different for different people. And there are some days when, for example, for me, self-care might be going out for a walk and the next day it might be, I don't know, cooking a nice dinner or watching a movie. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's definitely, I don't think it's overused because I think we all need it. We're living in like a really turbulent time. And I think if we can just take those moments to be kind to ourselves, then that's really important. But maybe that we, we widen our idea of what, what um, self-care is, sorry. So that doesn't just look a certain way and that people feel as though they could succeed or fail at it because you can't really fail at self-care. If it feels good for you, it's good. <laughs> I like that. So we just need to de-glamorize self-care. Yeah, because it doesn't look glamorous sometimes. <laughs> if I'm honest, sometimes I would much rather people don't see me when I'm doing hashtag self-care or whatever, but yeah. And how about, how does your alone time personally take 
practices that when you're exercising alone mm. or do you keep a diary or yeah I find exercise is something for me that's been really empowering and it is definitely my self-care and my headspace and it helps with my mental health just as much as it does my physical and it's become one of the things that I describe especially with my clients I say well what are your non-negotiables because like we all have priorities in life and those change as we get older so for someone who has a family exercise might not be at the top of their priority list because they have kids and they have other things going on so it might fall a little bit lower but for me right now where I am in my life exercise is a priority because I know that it's something that makes me feel good I know that it's something that uh, I enjoy and I know that it gives me that headspace to be able to go back into my life with a better perspective and feeling better um so yeah I would definitely say that that is some of what I would count as my alone time you know I'm not someone to really train with other people much I tend to just go in on my own with my headphones in and get on with it um and and that's like heaven for me but my alone time outside of exercise is really varied um I really enjoy cooking and having written cookbooks (laughs) I hope you'd assume that but I do so for me making a really nice dinner at home my boyfriend works a lot later than I do so I'll be the one that makes us dinner and I like like to take time with that and make something really nice um so I always find that to be a really nice time just to switch off and listen to a podcast or I put the tv on and I just zone out a bit I also love reading so I've tried to be really good at each evening like taking myself into my bedroom and putting my phone down so that I can read at least you know five to ten minutes of a book because I think that gives such great headspace I'm so consumed by social media sometimes and that life and that world that to read a book which is totally you know off topic that's fictional that you can escape into another world I find is really calming and it means I sleep better um so yeah that's that's another thing um and then lastly I think nature is massive for me um I think it's so good for our mental health so as much as I can um getting outside walking as much as possible um being in nature in some way so um I think for me that looks like going down to the river and walking by the river where I live um or being in a park or yeah in some way getting outside is it difficult to get away from your phone especially when you know you're comparing the average person with someone who has more than half a million followers on Mm. instagram that must be quite hard to put it down and when you know that there's so much waiting for you yeah and it's weird because in a way you get used to like being needed even though you're not like it's a really weird relationship and Sometimes if it isn't super busy and people aren't messaging, you're like, oh, am I not doing something right? Have I, you know, what's going on? So I think removing the idea that I am validated by my social media um, and disassociating the two. So my social media is great and it's my job and I love it. But also I am my own person outside of that that is totally valuable in my own right. Yeah, that sounds really cheesy, but you have to look at it that way because otherwise I would find that my 
my whole being was like affected by how many likes I would get on a photo or whether people messaged me or not or replied to an Instagram story. And that's such a crazy way of living. You know, who was I before social media? And was I, was I, you know, successful and happy and whatever? Yes. And I'd be the same if I lost it tomorrow. So it's really important to remember that I am not that and that it's a part of me. Yes, but it's not all of me. And I am my own person outside of that. So I try and be really good at how much I use my phone. I'm not always successful at it. Who <laughs> my is? boyfriend would, would probably tell you that I'm I'm still working on it, but we're trying like we had a really long chat about I think just tech in general that we need quality time and we both love like talking and debating and so when tech is involved that never happens that easily and I think it's really common in relationships that you both just like end up sitting next to each other, but on your phones. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like terrible. (laughs) So we kind of have a rule now that when he comes in from work, that both our phones go on the kitchen table face down and we talk about everything and anything. But it just means that I feel like we really get the most out of each other and that I don't just, you know, listen, but not properly hear. Does that make sense? Which I've definitely done before where I have one eye on my phone and one eye on a conversation and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely listening. But part of me is so not in that conversation. (laughs) So um, yeah, trying to just completely listen to each other um, and have a conversation. And I am trying to get better. Um, It's hard. Like it's, it is very addictive and, you know, it's been shown to be super addictive, particularly social media. So as with anything in life, I think moderation is key. And um, so trying to, I'm trying to find my balance. I haven't quite got there yet, but <laughs> I'll, be all. I'll get there. <laughs> all about the journey. Yeah. <laughs> and tell me more about your boyfriend. How did you meet? We met on a dating app. Yes. Which one? Happen. Oh yeah. Yes. So, um, God, it was, like, it's weird thinking about it now because dating app seemed like a long time ago for me. Cause we've been, t- we've been together for three years. Um, but yeah, we met on a dating app and he's, I mean, I sound so cheesy, but he is like so wonderful in every way. And he's like quite opposite to me. He's very, um, like I'm very creative and very um, outgoing. And he is also very outgoing, but he's, I would say he's more into like politics and um, he's he works in finance. And so, yeah, we, we are different in some ways and similar in others, but yeah, he's great. So would you say that you're more sociable than him or are you both about as sociable as each other? He is definitely more sociable than I am. And he loves going out. And I I do, but I'm also, I'm definitely more of, um, like I get real social anxiety and I will always enjoy myself when I'm out, but it's almost like the thought of going out that terrifies me. So it's the beforehand where I'm like, oh God, what's going to happen? Who's going to be there? What's what? Like, who am I going to talk to? All that kind of stuff. And then when I'm there, I always enjoy myself. Nine times out of 10, not always, but sometimes. And it, I'm usually fine, but it's almost the before that I get really nervous about. And I also am one of those people where, like, for example, he is very carefree and he will just go and talk to anyone and everyone whereas I will go and talk to someone and then overanalyze that conversation for hours about did I say the right thing did they like me did they not like me oh I think I might have said something awful oh my god like I think they hate me you know like and that conversation will just play over and over and over in my head and he just doesn't have that so it's it's different in a sense but 
I absolutely love going out and I do love being sociable. Um, but I think sometimes that needs to be caveated with the fact that like, it's not always my, um, most successful attribute to be going out and, and socializing. Now you're in a really healthy, loving relationship, but before this, you were in what you have described as an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when I was 16, I actually was, yeah, I was younger than I was 15, very young. And I met this guy and, um, he was older than me. He didn't go to my school and I was so drawn in, drawn in by the fact that he could drive and he had a car and, um, going back to that independence, it suddenly gave me this opportunity to be out and about and doing stuff and feeling like a proper adult. Um, and he took me out for nice dinners and, you know, that real kind of, I felt like it was a really grown up relationship and we were together for maybe a couple of months, maybe a bit longer. Um, and he was definitely already controlling in many ways. Um, things like checking my phone all the time, asking where I was, wanting to know where I was the whole time, picking me up from stuff, even though I could get home myself, you know, little things like that. Mm. Like he would always just be there. And I never clocked that that was like, obviously now I know that's a, a complete sign of someone that's controlling and abusive. But at the time I was like, oh my God, he must love me so much. He must really care about me because he just wants to like be everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, it sort of started to, it started like that. And then I vividly remember being in the car and I'd gone to watch him play football on a Saturday and being in the car and I think we were having an argument over something so mundane or silly I can't even remember what it was and anyway out of nowhere he just like slapped my leg so hard and I was like oh my god what has just happened and like it's not that all it's like I mean I mean I trivialize it now at the time like I didn't just didn't know what to do I was like this has never happened to me before the only person that's ever smacked me is like my mum when I've been like naughty when I was younger but I was just like dumbfounded. I didn't really know what to do or say. And then what happens is, and this is such a pattern that that take that many abusive relationships take, is he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I'm going to buy you all these things. I'm going to take you here. I'm so sorry. And before I even realized it, I'd fallen into this pattern of abuse, then the apology, then the groveling, and then you're back to square one again. And... It's hard to explain how as someone that I thought, you know, at age 15 was intelligent, independent, um, you know, was like doing really well at school, uh, had great friends, I had a lovely family, could fall into something like that because on paper you would never expect it really. But it happened and it escalated to the point that um, he assaulted me at school, he turned up in the middle of the day when I tried to break up with him yet another time. Um, and this was on the high street in front of all of my school friends. So it's like just completely escalated out of control. And um, from there, it then ended up going to court and it was like very traumatic. But at the time I 
just wanted to draw a line. I just did not want to address any of that. So I'd like maybe had one session of counselling and then I was just like, right, that's it. I'm done. I need to move on. And I'm very, very like that in life that I will put things into boxes and I'll be like, I'll deal with that later. I'm not going to deal with this now. So that's what I did. I just put it in a box, put it to the back of my head and was like, I'm going to move on with my life. And so I did. And I, you know, went after uni, I finished school, I did really well. And it was only maybe like the second year of uni, I think, when I just suddenly felt this like overwhelming, maybe even later than actually, but this overwhelming sense of like, I need to talk about this because I can just feel it like breaking me almost because I've never dealt with those issues. Um, And so that was when I started to very, very slowly talk about what had happened and um, the trauma that it had inflicted on me came out in so many different ways that I didn't realize were connected. So panic attacks, you know, I would start to have those all the time and I never quite realized why or, or, or you know, they were so unpredictable. Um, and it was all related, I'm sure, to that. But um, yeah, it was one of those things where I would have never expected it to happen to me, but in a way, sounds awful to say, but like I survived it and it's made me a stronger person and it's definitely made me who I am today. And I would never wish it upon myself if I had my time again, but in a way, like it has really shaped me and, you know, the work I now do with Women's Aid and the awareness that I can bring about through having this large social platform and to be able to talk about those kind of things is really um, cathartic. And it means that I can feel as though I'm giving back and, and doing something good or out of something that was really bad. I'm so sorry to hear that you went through that. And thank you so much Fine. for talking about it. During that time, you say that you kind of downplayed it in your head. You compartmentalized it. Were you drowning out that inner voice that was telling you that actually it was bad? Um, I mean, I knew it was bad, but actually what stopped me from telling other people was I was so embarrassed. It sounds so awful, but I was almost mortified that I'd let myself get into that place that it got to the point where I was like, I just need to like hide this. I can't tell anyone about this because I'm so, I'm so embarrassed. And So it stopped me from telling my parents, it stopped me from telling any of my friends. And I just wanted to carry on as if nothing had happened. And I just don't, I just think as well, I just did not know how to deal with it because I had tried to break up with him many, many times. And the threat that he would always use was, well, I'm going to tell your parents, I'm going to, I'm going to turn up at your house. I'm going to cause hell. And that was way worse for me than him doing anything to me was if he did something to my mom and dad or if he did something at school. So I much rather would take the hit myself than anyone else find out. And I mean, it sounds terrible now, but that's basically my was my mindset. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of why it lasted as long as it did. And the worst part is that's why turning up my school, he knew was like the worst thing he could do for me because I was so mortified to, ne- to let anyone else know that like doing it on the high street in Berkhamstead in full view of everyone else was probably the worst thing you could do. So yeah, that was pretty traumatic. Um, but yeah, I, d- I knew it was bad. I didn't downplay that it was, wasn't. I knew it was bad and I knew that it, should, it, wasn't, it wasn't right and it wasn't a healthy relationship. 
which is why now like the work that women's aid do if i'd have known and that's why i'm so passionate about talking about them if i'd have known that there was like an anonymous number that i could ring and talk to someone about it i would have done i you know i would have like jumped at the chance just to be able to share that i was going through this awful thing and i didn't know how to get out of it um but unfortunately i didn't know then and so the fact that i have this platform where i can share what they do and um share information about it and even just talk about healthy relationships in young people because i think it's actually way more common than we realize that young people's first relationships can be a little bit um controlling and you you're you're very very gently just testing the boundaries of what um what you can and can't get away with and and um i think it's way more common than we realize that that abuse can happen how much older was this boyfriend he was 18 so he was like three years older than me i think yeah that's really problematic that he was almost playing on the fact you were younger, those threats, I'll tell your parents mm. to prevent you from saying anything. Oh, yeah. And he was clever as well. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't from a place of stupidity. It was like, he was smart and he knew how to manipulate. And yeah, it was it was definitely, um, yeah, it was interesting that he was older than me. And yeah, I think... Um, I think he had, like, and this is a thing where, like, I almost feel, I mean, it sounds, people would be like, that's really backwards, but I almost feel for him because he clearly had a lot of shit going on, you know? And to inflict that on a on a 15-year-old girl is really troubling. Um, and I just hope, like, wherever he is now, that he's in a better place because, you know, like, that's such a such a terrible way to be at such a young age so I'd hope that he would have got help and and become a different person but yeah you've spoken before about how you use comfort eating as a means to prevent yourself from addressing this issue Mm. yeah I mean I didn't think it's (laughs) that uncommon but yeah we uh, we as humans I think can sometimes eat our feelings it's what we do you know it feels good at the time it fills a void in a sense um, but it never actually does. So it might fill a physical void of feeling as though you just need to, you know, um, do something to make yourself feel better. And in the short term, it can be a stopgap or something that kind of gently alleviates whatever you're feeling, but it never actually fully does help. And I think it's difficult because comfort eating is... is in a way, like some like self-harm, for me anyway. I totally agree. Because it was like, it was never to the point of like just feeling comfortable. It was like, I just I just need to eat everything and anything in sight. So to the point that you felt sick, you know? That's, that's, that's going beyond like, you know, what I would say comfort eating now is like, I will definitely like eat a tub of ice cream easily. <laughs> but like- <laughs> me both. <laughs> but like, if I'm full, I'm full. Yeah. Whereas there just seemed to be no stopping- uh, when it came to to, to 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 how I used to feel and like real like binge eating, um, and yeah, I was just trying to fill this like emptiness that I had inside, mm-hmm. but never actually successfully did so. And I do agree with you. I think that while self harm is a very loaded term, it is a form of harming your body. And do you think maybe it was jeopardizing yourself yet again instead of going and speaking about this? Yeah, I think it was just a misinformed way of trying to deal with it. I think it was just, 
you know, I wanted to get on with my life and I didn't want to address it. So the easiest way that I could, you know, make myself feel better was I'm just going to eat loads of rubbish. Um, so yeah. So when you later met your current boyfriends, do you think choosing a healthy relationship like that was a sign of your self-growth and that you were looking after yourself more? Yeah. And I always, like, I've always said that, that I had to spend, you know, I didn't meet Pally until I was 24. So I had between the age of 18, 19, and then 24 to really learn who I was and to really discover and like I never obviously never fully discover because life is you're constantly evolving and growing like we've talked about but I had to really learn to discover who I was love myself in the cheesiest ways like I it sounds yeah a bit cheesy but doesn't sound cheesy at all (laughs) but I did you know because if you love yourself you know like you you wouldn't stand for that and I had to really work on that a lot. And when I met Paddy, I was definitely in a much better place. And I was open to a, you know, a relationship. And in a way, like, I still wasn't whole. And I think that's a really interesting thing because I, 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 I absolutely thought I was. But now you can look back and think, oh, well, I wasn't 100% whole. There were definitely still a lot of things going on. Um, but he has absolutely made me, like a tenfold better person. Um, and I always say like, people shouldn't complete you, you should be complete yourself. But to a certain extent, he kind of does. <laughs> I think that we always say, you know, you've got to love yourself until mm. you meet someone else. And I do, again, I agree with that to mm. an extent, but sometimes a healthy relationship can really bolster you. That, yeah. I mean, that's why two people get together, isn't it? And do you know what it is? It's like, it's knowing that like, no matter how shitty life can get or how many things life can throw at you like knowing that you always have someone there that no matter what they will be there for you I think that's what what you know it is for me that like I am my own person I've got all my own thoughts and feelings and my own success and and my own self-love but like having that and then being supported by someone else as well in the times when I maybe can't support myself as best as I want to is is the best thing for me um and even just like having someone to go home and talk to you know at the end of the day I always I liken it's like a pressure cooker but letting off some steam at the end of the day if it's been a good day if it's been a bad day just having someone to tell that to has been really really good for me so would you say it's almost like you it's not that you need to be in a relationship but you want to be you want that person to compliment your life and I don't think it would be with anyone but I think definitely with him that 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 would be how yeah how I'd describe it and how are you as a couple? Would you say you have much independence as well? Yeah, we do. We both have. We both live our own lives. I think that's something that's really important to both of us is to have our own lives and do our own things and then do stuff together. You know, we just got back from a weekend away together, which was so lovely. Um, but then we also do things independently a lot of the time. So I would never like to live in someone else's pocket. And I would never like to be, you know, one of those couples that does everything together because that would be suffocating for me. Um, so I think we have a really nice balance of like doing lots together, but then lots independently too. We both really like going to the gym and we both like exercising. So that's something that we do together or we do independently, like depending on the day. And we both 
like going out for nice food and like socializing with friends but then like I love going to the theater he's not that keen so I'll go and do that with my friends um he loves playing golf I don't play golf so we both have things that we do that like are our our own things so yeah I think we we have a nice balance of the two just to finish up I've got a listener question Mm -hmm. so the question is I I'm really big on Instagram and I look through so many posts about self-care and self-love, but often they feature items that I simply can't afford. How would you advise that I make my version of self-care? Well, first of all, I think self-care and self-love should never be expensive. I think to commoditize that is actually wrong. I think they should be things that are, are generally, you know, free you shouldn't have to feel as though you have to put a price on self-care or self-love. I think the the most important thing is to find out what works for you. It's all very well like reading Instagram posts and really filling yourself up with knowledge on what other people do, but will that actually serve you? Maybe not. And I've spent many, many years trying to copy what other people do or thinking that I have to be doing what others are doing and that awful sense of comparison that we can all feel when we log onto social media and we think, oh, I should be doing that or maybe I should try that. Um, And sometimes I do and it works and sometimes I don't. And I think it's really important to find what serves you best. And if you can maybe write a list of all of the things that you can do for free or for for a little amount of money um, that make you feel good and then try to kind of list off Um, what works best for you in terms of how you feel at the end of trying each one of those I think that would be a really productive way to to really find out what self-care means to you um, rather than trying to replicate someone else's idea of self-care Alice thank you so much this has been such an interesting discussion good I'm so pleased thank you for having me thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the Alonement podcast and a huge thanks to my lovely guest Alice Living she is so down to earth and hugely articulate and I'm so inspired by our conversation so I hope you are too if you loved this episode please do rate review or subscribe it makes all the difference to help other people discover the show join me next Friday for a brand new episode Until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.